Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What is up, football fans? This is Danny Austin. Um, I'm here at the live from the 55 studios, which I got right this time. Um, apparently, the last couple times that I've done this intro, I was at live at the 155, which is not the name of the podcast. Um, I have a friend who has a podcast that also has the name 155 in it, and I think that's where the confusion comes from. So that is my excuse. And you might say, well, Danny, like the first thing that you need to get when you have a podcast is you got to get the name right. And to that, I would say I'm talking about a league that doesn't have stats available online. So, you know, we're making it up as we go here uh, live from the 55. I got it right. We have, we're making progress, getting better day by day. Um, and yeah, my goal going forward is to get the name of my podcast, right? Um, we have a really fun show today. Obviously the stamps are playing the riders on Saturday. Our, our Thursday morning shows are a little bit more Calgary focused than our, Monday morning shows where we look around the league. Uh, we're certainly going to talk about the rest of the CFL as well. But, you know, stamps, riders at home, that's a big one. And it's a fun one. And that is sort of going to be our, our main focus. We'll be finishing off with uh, Britton Gray, who does a killer job reporting on the riders for CJME in Regina. Um, he's just going to come on, tell us what we need to know about the riders, who I will be perfectly honest with you, I find to be a deeply confusing team, but I could say the exact same thing about the Stampeders. To be honest, I could say that about pretty much every team other than probably the Bombers and the Lions at this point, um, and maybe a little bit the Argos, who I think look pretty good. But, you know, he's going to tell us everything that he can about the riders and, and really excited for that. Prior to that, we've got Alex Singleton. I am so hyped. Uh, Singleton, everyone in Calgary is going to know, is obviously playing with the Denver Broncos. These days has been in the NFL, what, this is probably year five, a couple years with the Eagles in Philly and now with the Broncos. But, you know, we got to start in professional football here in Calgary, playing for the Stampeders, um, most outstanding defensive player for the entire league in 2017. Just honestly, one of my favorite people and uh, such a good guy. And, you know, right wrote him, said, hey, man, any chance you can hop on? And, and he he did. And uh, we've already recorded that. So that's why I'm sort of speaking in the past tense. But Alex is honestly, he's just such a an advocate for the CFL and for Calgary and, and for the Stampeders. And, you know, I still think that he is part of this community. So just honestly thrilled to have him. And yeah, that's sort of our lineup of guests and we're going to get to the, the riders. But while I do my intro here, um, I did want to start a little bit with just a conversation I had with the Stamps VP of Business Operations, Jay McNeil. There was a ton of focus, in my opinion, too much focus on attendance for the season opener uh, when the Stamps hosted the BC Lions on a Thursday night and less than 18,000 people showed up. Honestly, like fine, talk about what you want. That's if that's where we want to draw our attention. But, you know, bugged me a little bit because I saw a bunch of outlets that, to be honest, I don't think have done a Stampeder story in a year and they decided to jump on the negative story. 
think that those stories were lacking a lot of context. The fact is, it was the earliest game the Stampeders have ever played in the year. It was a Thursday night. It was against the Lions, who are not a big draw. Um, there, there were just a ton of factors going against it. And yeah, they didn't draw great. But Jay was telling me that, you know, it looks like the game is trending towards over 25,000. Part of that is the Riders. Yeah, the opponent matters. Part of that is it being a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, the date and time matter. But that's more than 7,000 more people in, in the stands than we saw um, in the season opener. And I just, I think that that's significant. I think that that is worth celebrating. And if people want to say, oh, well, they used to get more 10 years ago. Well, good for you guys. It's not 10 years ago. This is a team that is working to sort of rebuild uh, the fan base. I, I do think that they struggled to bounce back from COVID a fair bet. And I, I think that I've said this before on this podcast, but I think there's just been a ton of, ton of progress in terms of the fan experience and it's not perfect and there's nothing we can do right now about the fact that McMahon stadium is old, but I, I do think that, you know, try to drop by stamps house if you can. I, I, I do think that everything happening in the gridiron gardens, the fact that it is fan fest, which was sort of delayed from late May because of the forest fire smoke. Look, there's a lot going on in this game. I think it's going to be a great time. I think the tailgate's going to be fun. And the reality is, as Jay said, with, the Stampeders have been asking for for years is, is Saturday afternoon games in the summer. I think it's perfect. It's what the league should be giving, you know, every market realistically, but Calgary in particular. And I think that it makes a difference. So I just, I honestly, I'm pretty hyped about that. And uh, I don't know, I think it matters. And I think that if there are other outlets that are only going to celebrate the negative, I want to make sure that I celebrate the positive a little bit and I cover this team and I love this team and I'm really happy to be doing it. So yeah, good on, good on everyone. I, I do hope we see over 25,000. Hey, I'd love to see over 30,000. I don't think it's going to happen, but 25 to start and 25 is a lot more than 18. So, you know, good on everyone who is coming out, good on everyone who's responsible for selling those tickets. And I hope you have a really fun time. And, you know, I wish I could tailgate, but instead I will be in Stamps House eating the food um, that they give me for free. Uh, as for, you know, the game itself, look, it's the Riders and the guys, I honestly don't know. It's why I'm excited to have Britton coming on. Um, Week one, the Riders beat the Elks 17-13, and, you know, I thought that was a pretty nice win. Then, you know, the Elks go out and get shut out 22 nothing by the Lions in week two, and suddenly you're looking at that week one Riders win and thinking, huh, that was like a little bit a little bit tighter than it maybe should have been. But then, conversely, you know, you look at the Riders, they lost the Bombers week two, 45-27. That looks pretty bad on paper, but if you actually sort of break the game down uh, – the reality is like that game was, I wrote it down here, 31-24 coming out of the third quarter. It was a tight game. Janarian Grant had a you know big touchdown return that kind of broke the Riders, but that game wasn't as bad as it looked. So suddenly you're trying to break down this Riders team. How good are they? Um, well, you know, they beat arguably the worst team in the league in week one. They lost uh, definitely the best team in the league in week two. I don't know. Like, What kind of conclusion do you want to draw from that? I, I do think that that's why this week's slate of games, and particularly you know, Calgary and, and Saskatchewan, I think we're going to learn a lot because the reality is I don't think that we know everything we want to know about the Stampeders either. I think we saw big progress from week one to week two, but at the same time, I, I don't think the Red Blacks are much of a, much of an opponent as currently constructed. And, and um, they will get better when Jeremiah Mazzoli is back, but he wasn't back. So what are you going to do? I mean, what are these Stampeders? What are these riders? I think we're going to have a better idea. And if you're the Stampeders, I think you're sort of looking at this game and saying, all right, well, we got, we got the bombers coming in next week. So I don't know that I'm going to call a, but mid to late June game in the CFL actually must win. I think we lose, use that term way too often, but you know, if you're the Stampeders and you lose this one, you're at one and two, if you lose to the riders. I have a hard time. You seeing seeing you beat the bombers. So you come back from a bye week and you lose to the bombers and you're one and three, you know, at that point, I, I, I think you have to be real. 
that it's going to be pretty hard to even consider catching first place. So this is a big, big game. I think the Stamps need to beat the Riders. I think the Stamps, you know, need to show that they can beat, you know, their Western Conference rivals. And I'm fascinated because I quietly think the Riders are, are are better than that loss to Winnipeg. And I can't sit here and dismiss everything that happened with the Stampeders in week one. Not say, well, you know, the Riders were probably better than they the result that they got in week one. So anyways, it's a fascinating game. It's exciting. We're going to have a big crowd. There's just a ton to, you know, ton to talk about, ton to examine. And yeah, that's kind of that. So anyways, let's get to Alex Singleton here. All right. Um, well, yeah, joining me, man. Are you, are you down in Denver? It is Alex Singleton. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is this the, is this, is this the new house? This is the new house. This is the uh, library room. It's got nothing in it. <laughs> man you gotta get some books i know i you know i've just started reading this year so it's a it's come yeah what have you read what have you read uh a bunch of you know like uh what are they these jack car books they're super good highly okay that's what i can see you do have books in your library yeah Um, i got you know i got a couple they're here that's layers i gotta say like the number of guys like because i was at stamps practice today brent monson says hi um micah always says hi i don't know if you actually know micah yeah, you know, I you know run in the league. It's the smallest league. I mean, not the smallest league ever, but like, it's such a close knit like league. You know everybody, so it's. I mean, I love it. It's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, keep in touch with anyone. Yeah, I mean, I talk to Monson all the time. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm so close with Therm, obviously. Uh, I mean, Renee, Wiggs, all those guys. I mean, Bo, I talked to Bo, give him a hard time all the time. Yeah, so it's not like I was trying to figure it out because Mike Rose would have been on the 2018 team, obviously Renee. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like there's a couple, there's more guys than you think. Cause there's like, like oh, Charlie yeah. Power. Yeah, Charlie Power. yeah. I talk to Charlie all the time. Like, I mean, if you, like, I mean, I still talk to Dave all the time, you know, I, yeah. I stay in touch. I, you know, I keep, I keep the Calgary circle uh, close. That's nice. Yeah. And there's a couple of them have come back too. Right. Cause Botters mm-hmm. is back. Um, so have you i'm not gonna ask i don't want any like news because i don't want to but have you talked about it all this week <laughs> no i haven't no <laughs> i've uh i've stopped bugging him about uh his his reports because <laughs> you, you never know if you're gonna get the truth so i'll just no. i'll just yeah. wait to see who plays you know in the game yeah that's totally fair um i also like don't want to break any news here um it's, like yeah. not the point of the podcast but uh you were like you were in camp last week too right like how yeah. does it how we were many camps like, do you guys have we have so many camps, but we, at least, you know, Sean, which is super cool. He canceled, like we have a mandatory vet mini camp. That's like before the draft. So he canceled that. We just did the 10 OTA practices, which was cool. A lot of teams do extra, like a phase two. We didn't do that. And then there's a three day mini camp, which is, it's just an extended OTA. So it wasn't too bad. Yeah. It's very different from the CFL. Very different, yeah. And now we get our now we get our five week break before the season, but you know they yeah. get a six and a half month break, so it's kind of nice. Yeah, there's a difference there. Uh, is that five and a half weeks though? How much of that is just working out? The whole thing. I mean, I I've done it here, but you know, I got a, I got a bachelor party I'm going to this week. <laughs> I got a wedding the next weekend, and then it's like full football. But yeah, I got a couple weekends before. Uh, I mean, that. that's not bad though. It's it's June. No. I feel like you guys deserve a break. No, and it's the worst, though, because I would, you know, I'm still trying to come to Stampede. I'm still trying to come to a game since COVID. I haven't been back. But, like, you know, with all the weddings, with our practice schedule, with Calgary having no home games that aren't, like, Thursday nights, which, you know, 
isn't beneficial when we only work Monday to Thursdays. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and, uh, they're off, you know, they're on the road until late July. Completely. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, well, I guess I'll guess I'll come back next year. <laughs> <laughs> next year. Um yeah, it's it's the weirdest season. I mean, whatever. They have over twenty five thousand people coming out, so it's it's better. I don't know if you heard, but the first the first game against BC was not good. But like, don't do a Thursday night during the school year. Yeah, or, you can. Like, I mean, just don't do it. Yeah, I mean, and if it was a Saturday night, you know, I would have been there. Would have been. It'd have been way yeah. more fun. <laughs> yeah. So you're not making it to Stampede this year? No, sadly, oh. it's hard. It's too bad. Although I gotta say, like being in Denver, like did you end up getting to a finals game? You and I had texted a little bit back and forth about you potentially. I didn't go to a finals game. I went to a Western. Con- I went to every other round. They just, I mean, the tickets got. It was such a like you already knew they were gonna win kind of series. So like game one, I was gonna go to, and that was sold out pretty quick. I mean, I could. I just, you know, I'm a basketball fan, but not a. I'm not spending a couple grand basketball fan. Yeah. So I was just like, yeah, you know, I can do more fun it's things. Crazy too with the like with the NBA finals because when the Raptors were in it in 2019, I went mm-hmm. home. But like even flights, it's just because everyone from that yeah. city goes home for the NBA finals. Yeah. Right? So and like, you're guaranteed to have like three. You know what? Like you know they had three home games, so it's kind of yeah. You can come and then like actually be part of the city. Are you able to like? As a professional football player, like as an NFL guy, are you able to be out, like yeah. enjoying it? Well, yeah. like I mean, we didn't. My whole thing is, I would never go to like another sports teams parade or anything. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> that'd be weird. I feel like it's just like I want to win one. You know, I I know you know, obviously winning a great cup. Like I know what, how fun it is to celebrate winning, but like I'm not gonna celebrate some other grown man winning a sport. I <laughs> think it's yeah. weird until I'm done playing and have kids or something. Like I'm I'm not going, but. I think, yeah, like, I mean, going out and, like, watching the games and enjoying the games, I think we do that anyway, so it didn't really matter whether it was the Nuggets or anything. I just think it makes the city more excited for all sports when it's, like, your hometown team. Completely. Well, it's crazy, too, because the Avs won the Cup last year, so, like, all of a sudden, Denver's, like, Boston in the late 2000s, where it's kind of, like, on you guys on the Rockies to win. Yeah, (laughs) well, yeah, everyone, yeah. We we've we've heard it a lot, so uh, have you? you know we, we actually, just have high expectations, so we got we better figure it out. Yeah, um, and I guess I mean I'm, to do the formal like sports reporting thing, like you guys presumably are feeling like it's a bounce back year, and you guys can. Yeah, we. Yeah, I mean, I think last year, you know, I you know the way our defense plays, the way the offense will play, you know, the huge moves we made in the off season, obviously bringing Sean in is that kind of speaks for itself. So. I mean, I, I'm excited. I can't wait. I want these five weeks to like hurry up. I want the summer to be over. You know, it's like we we want to get back into it. So I'm excited for that. Is it an entirely new like playbook for you? Because I feel like at one point I was talking to you and you're like, "Yep, I've had a new playbook every, every year for the last every like, year." Six years. No, luckily, you know, Vance was here like 2017, 2018, I believe he was head coach, maybe 2019. But so the defense was kind of like not built then, but then Vic Fangio came and then obviously coach E last year. And so they've kind of all like molded because the defense has always been really good here. So it wasn't like, you know, just rebuilding defenses every single time they've kind of like molded all together. And we've, we kept on our DB coach and our D line coach who were able this off season to like work with Vance and the other uh, coaches and kind of make the verbiage the same that we've had because it's still three, four defense. So, yeah. they've kind of like worked back and forth in it. So it's like a mesh between the two, but so it wasn't like we were picking up a whole new defense, which is nice. Yeah. It seems like so much work. To be oh, like, it's so, 
Well, because everyone calls like, you know, there'll be one little route concept. One coach will call it this, the other coach calls it that. And they get furious if you like use some other coaches terminology and you're just like, dude, this is how I've known it for this long, you know? And so it's, it's a big back and forth, but now we're luckily found a good middle ground. So it's good. That's hilarious. Yeah. I, I mean, there are a million reasons why I'm not a professional athlete, but like, <laughs> like I'm not doing that either. Forget the physical side. I'm just not learning. Up, up not learning. It. Yeah. A lot of, you know, a lot of people think, you know, it's just a bunch of dummies running around, but sad, yeah. sadly we're not. <laughs> I know it's well it's the thing that having covered the CFL for seven years now it's like you come to respect the like the stereotype of the dumb jock football player uh, it's like it's not it's not accurate it's not uh, I've some, got one or two pretty dumb guys, some I'm not guys can't I'm not, I'm, yeah I'm not gonna name them but um and then you got the family in town here yeah families in town they came to see the house you know they're you know is it the first time yeah their first time here we moved in May 1st so it's okay fresh it's slowly coming together yeah and yeah, they're the library. you want to talk about the people that have watched every cfo game this year have they they haven't missed a game yet man that's amazing they like um, call me and they're like hey what do you think about jake i'm like what what do you mean they're like this game's on right now can you just and i'm like oh my god relax yeah i'm literally like trying to learn a new playbook guys oh, <laughs> you know, I... they're still hardcore stamps though like that's hardcore stamps. yeah yeah, yeah. You know, they'll watch, I mean, obviously they watch the Thai Cats, and I think, I think they think it's cool that, you know, because now it's, I mean, it might as well be the Hamilton Stampeders and the, yeah. you know, Toronto And, and the Toronto so, it's insane. It's like, they, I, you know, I talked to them because I was out this weekend, but they watched the Hamilton-Toronto game, and they were like, is anyone that's, like, relevant on either team not played for the Stampeders? No, it's crazy. Or, or coached. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the other crazy. thing, Crazy, right? and I mean, I mean, it makes sense why they're both going to be good teams but you know it's it's interesting last time i saw your mom was at in 2018 right after the Grey cup and yeah. you guys had had the whole parade and i had gone to local to get a sandwich and i was like like Grey cup beats the hell out of reporters and so i was not drinking yep and your mom just walked up to me and was like just so you know alex is coming and like i could hear like <laughs> the fear in her voice and like she could see that i needed to not be there and then you guys walked in and i just hung out with you guys for a while but yeah um, i mean that's what happens we, I, I really appreciated she could see that i needed to not drink and warned me that the whole team was coming um, yeah. and we did not not drink no you guys were fun <laughs> yeah. yeah i had workouts too i'll never forget that i had workouts like five days after that no way yeah i flew to cleveland with like a big suitcase and was like still hungover i was like well <laughs> go. let's make it to the nfl <laughs> that's insane Let's give this well, second. You couldn't have been the only one, right? Because out of that group, like Thurm went NFL as well. Yeah. Botters also got NFL. Yep. And me and uh, Thurm went a couple places together. So, yeah, it was yeah. a grind. Well, it's just funny. Like, I'll go into places on Stephen Avenue and they'll still just like have photos of like you guys with the Grey Cup. Um, oh, yeah. I get yeah. people every, every like so often, someone will send me like a picture of, uh, I think like Home and Away has one. I think, uh, there's a couple other, yeah, like there's a couple other places, but they'll always be like, dude, you're still on the wall. Are you coming out here? I'm like, no, I can't. So yeah. <laughs> I don't want to come in February. Like, so yeah, don't come in February. I'm not coming in February and March. I'm just, no, know. the time for you to come is Stampede, obviously. Yes. And can. that's why I think the CFL, you know, even though they don't schedule many things correctly, I think we've all seen that uh, yep. this offseason to the max. But if they could, uh, you know, put a game maybe that week, I think there's so many people there now. I mean, why not? Like, 
Yeah, I think that they try not to comp- have the two things competing, but it's actually one of those ones where I think there's enough people who would want to go. Um, it's a three-hour event. Like, I mean, don't play the game at 7 o'clock at night, yeah. but if you did like a, I don't know, you start at 1 o'clock on Labor Day. No kidding. Yeah. You'll be with the rodeo, but the rodeo is already sold out, so come on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. We'll get people, you know, we can do a whole thing. It'd yeah. be easy. Would you bring up, like, the crew? If you can? Oh, I- everybody yeah <laughs> there's so many guys I, the amount of people i've sold one on calgary but then two on the stampede is there i i yeah i'd have like 50 people deep it would be so fun that's amazing we wouldn't be able to walk straight we'd have like a <laughs> around uh but it's crazy i don't like i wouldn't even have i mean i would have a place to stay but it would be like so weird going to calgary and like the last time i was there i still had an apartment there so it was like Really, old eh? town had the apartment, you know, it was whatever, and now it'd just be, yeah, right. just get a hotel or an Airbnb. Get in the hotel, and... like, but yeah. I would, I'd uh, get a hotel right on, you know. I'm sure, like, I don't know, one of the coaches must not have kids and would be fine to put you up, or we'll just kick the kids out for a couple. Yeah, we'll just kick the kids out. Yeah, I know. I'm sure yeah, Monson would be happy to have Killam's kids are old enough to, you know, they can. Yeah, that's true. Go on vacation. They, but yeah. I, because well, yeah, I mean, I guess Bo would have been the main like player with a with a house, but obviously, yeah, yeah, I don't think Renee, I don't know if he's we crash at Renee's house, but he's got too many little kids now, and he's a firefighter. I know <laughs> he'd probably be working that you know yeah. when he's not when he's not kicking, he's got to go to work. It is still like I think it's cool and like good on him, like respect oh, yeah. to him for doing. But like it, it remains like one of my favorite CFL things that just a guy in his late thirties could just become a firefighter and keep kicking field goals. Just casually in the off season too, like oh, I'm yeah. gonna become a firefighter. All right. Like, yeah. I remember him and he's like, I was like, is Dave cool? Did he's like, yeah, he loves it. I'm like, yeah. and he's still the best <laughs> kicker in CFL history. Yeah, is- and it's close to breaking some new record. I don't know, man. Like, I, if he hasn't broken them all, I mean, like, I'm sure every week there's like a new thing he's gonna. Be yeah, doing. and there's like there's guys who like in terms of just like the number of field goals he would have kicked as opposed to percentage. Like, yeah, there's CFL guys who in like the 80s and 90s, I feel like they were 55 years old and still that kicked. played forever. There was yeah. who was uh McCallum. Yeah, and wasn't he kicking, isn't it? What's Pasaglia? Is that his name? What's that? He was kicking in BC my first year, and the dude was late 40s. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is this guy a coach? And someone's like, I oh, know he's a kicker. That's amazing. He must have had another job. There's no way you're devoting that much of your life to just kicking. God, wouldn't that be so chill? Just make like, I mean, I make like 105, 110 and just be a kicker six months of the year. Yeah, I mean, it goes a lot less far in Vancouver than it does in Calgary, but like, it's not a bad life. No. Yeah, for six months of work. I'm yeah. signing up for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, man. I just wanted to check in. Um, yeah. Good to have you, man. Thanks for coming yeah. on and say hi to Ashley and, and your mom for me. Yes, and, I will. Uh, and they say hello. And congratulations, she won a bunch of medals like two weeks ago, right? Yeah, you know, just I'll, once again, we'll still never catch up. So I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna play sports for as long as I can because I'm never gonna catch up to her. Yeah, I mean, she's a star. Yeah. No question about that. Yeah. Your mom just posted on Twitter. I'm looking at it right now. There's at least three medals around her. Yeah. Um, so it would have been the uh, Special Olympics, Southern California. Yeah. Um, did you guys get swimming today? No. Yeah. We just got yeah. back to the pool. That's amazing. Nothing <laughs> better. There's yeah. storms coming in, though. We get all these. Have you guys been getting storms up there? 
Yeah, finally. Well, it was like the whole province was on fire like three weeks ago. Oh, right? yeah. So yeah, we got it, that smoke too. We had to practice yeah. inside for like a week because of you guys. Uh, must be nice being able to practice inside. Eh? Uh, hold on. The stamps practice inside all the time now. They have moved inside. Yeah. That is a bunch of. <laughs> <laughs> we used you... to have to, no matter what, be outside. I know. And God, yeah. we didn't lose a lot of games either, you know. So they need to. It's Mike O'Shea swears that the bombers will never practice inside and it, it works for them. So, um, well, Mike's also crazy <laughs> in a good way. Not a, not a crazy way. I mean, I love Mike. Mike was, you know, Mike was, he was the one that gave me my defense player of the year award. Was it really? Yeah. That's unreal. Yeah. Um, like he was yeah. just the presenter. Yeah. Huh. Which was cool. wild. Um, I mean, he clearly like big Hill is still, I'd, I'd argue still the best middle linebacker in the league right now. So the guy yeah. knows his linebackers. Yeah, seriously. I yeah. couldn't, I still couldn't believe it because he has like a full on job outside of football, too. Does he? I don't know what he does, but he's, I think he's a CPA. Jeez. Or he's either that or a financial advisor, one or the other. Yeah. I don't know. He's smart and does a bunch of crazy <laughs> Does he have a library, though? Because that's what he's have a library. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he does. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, all right. Well, buddy, thank you so much, man. Really, really of appreciate course. it. All right. That was awesome. Thank you to Alex Singleton uh, for joining us from Denver, from his new house, from his library where he started reading. Um, all very exciting. Um, yeah. Before I go any further, I do want to quickly shout out our sponsor. Our guests are brought to you by Fraser and Fig here in Marta Loop. You know, they, are, they do delicious elevated cheese and charcuterie. Uh, it's all made with fresh artisanal ingredients. I'm not even kidding you. You can just go in, grab a cheese and charcuterie box. Say you're going for a picnic. Let's say you're taking a girl on a date or you're showing up and, and trying to surprise your parents or I don't know who else you'd be trying to surprise, your grandparents. If you're trying to surprise anybody, um, you know, honestly, what better way to do it with a charcuterie box? Everybody loves them. And uh, Fraser and Fig, they've got four sizes. They suit every occasion. It's literally all boxes come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. Uh, and honestly, their selections vary from month to month. I'm not kidding. These are unreal. Um, I have grabbed one of these boxes and absolutely surprised a, a small dinner party that I was having. I wouldn't really call it a dinner party, but I surprised a group of people who were coming over to my place to play video games. It was nice. I had a charcuterie box. They were all pleasantly surprised. So thank you to Fraser and Fig. They presented Alex Singleton. They're going to also be presenting Britton Gray coming up. They are the best, and we super appreciate them. Um, and, yeah, again, thank you to Alex. I, I think everyone who is Calgary football fan, but I hope, you know, CFL fans in general, you know, have a respect and appreciation for what Alex did. He was only up here three years, but won the Grey Cup, most outstanding defensive player. I know that those St. Peter's teams are not loved by, you know, other markets, but Alex – you know, he never set a foot wrong. He embraced Calgary. I think that's one of the things that people loved about him. He he very much was a member of our community while he was here. And I'm not kidding. You know, you heard him talking about coming back up to Stampede, wanting to come to a Stampeders game, wanting to bring 50 of his friends up for Stampede. That's who Alex is. And he's been a huge advocate and supporter of our city for a really, really long time. And I don't know. I think we were lucky to have him up here. He's one of those those great CFL stories. Um, yeah, he grew up in California, but he embraced the Calgary lifestyle, the Canadian lifestyle, and the CFL game. And honestly, it's like when I told people at Stampeders practice today, oh, yeah, I'm having Alex on the podcast. And the number of people just like yelling, oh, man, make sure you say hi for me. You know, he's still he's still loved by the guys on this team, both the coaching staff and a lot of the players. And uh, I hope that at the end of his career, as he's told me a couple of times, he still comes back up and, and 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And spend one last season, at least here in Calgary. I think that fans would love that. I still see so many 49 Alex Singleton jerseys all around McMahon Stadium. And uh, yeah, we, you know, we appreciate them coming and joining us, giving us time. It's not many NFL guys right now who are jumping on a CFL podcast. So we hear it live from the 55. Um, got it right again, guys. I'm, I'm really making improvements. My producers gave me a thumbs up there. Um, yeah. Thank you to Alex. Yeah. We got Brendan Gray coming up here in a couple minutes, but you know, before we do, might as well take a look a little bit around the league. Honestly, I don't know that you'd say that there have been a ton of marquee matchups through these first two weeks. Obviously Saskatchewan and Winnipeg is a pretty big game and, you know, Toronto and Hamilton, but, I don't know in terms of sort of what we know it's been two weeks we sort of know that the lions and bombers are the class of the west so far that's not to say they will in week 10 or week 18 but you know through through two weeks they've been the best teams and just having them square off it's not great that it's a thursday night that's that's really too bad and um you know i i i don't need to belabor the point i think all of us hate thursday night games but that's happening and that's just fascinating to me because honestly the lions you shut out anyone, even if it is the Elks, and I'm impressed. Color me impressed. And I, to be honest, thought that they looked really well-prepared and pretty sharp against the Stampeders in week one. You know, they were the better team that week flat out. There is not any um, question there. And I thought they got in Jake Mayer's face. I, I do like that defensive line. I think, like, everybody, I I'm just sort of I'll watch Dominic Grimes anytime a ball is thrown his way. I think he's late. And then the Bombers are the Bombers. I honestly... <laughs> Someone said to me, we were talking about the Riders and Bombers game and, and, and how it had been so tight. And then it was like, oh, one big kick return kind of made the difference. And that's fine to say. Um, but that's the thing about the Bombers is they have the players who can do that one big explosive play, whether that's on special teams, whether it's on offense, whether it's on defense. And, you know, Kenny Lawler should, should be back pretty soon here. I'm only going to make them better. So the Bombers scare me. To be honest, they scare me more than they scared me last year. And I'm quietly kind of rooting for these Lions. I think a lot of us 
with Nathan Rourke leaving, with Brian Burnham retiring. I am guilty of this. I absolutely wrote them off. I should name, I should put James Butler in there too. I, I did not think that they were going to be in the mix, and I love seeing them come out and you know have that swagger and and really kind of you know lay lay a beating on on two teams in their first two weeks. So you know I think it's one of those things. I suspect that the Bombers are going to win this one. I just think that they're they're too good, too experienced, too sharp right now to be dropping a game in week three when other teams still have to continue improving to get to their sort of a level i think the bombers are already there but you know it might be really good for the league if the lions won suddenly you know the, the bombers are getting a little bit vulnerable I, I don't mind that from a narrative perspective and i am a writer so i love narrative um i would definitely pick the bombers there but you know no issue with people who want to tell me the lions are, are in, in the fight too um montreal hamilton th- th- this one is sort of the one that does lack well i'll be honest with you on Sunday, Toronto Edmonton. That feels like it's going to be the worst game of the weekend. Um, I just think, you know, I don't know the Toronto. We need to be, although I joked about it on Twitter, but I don't know that we need to be running them in as as playing in the Grey Cup already. But I definitely thought that Chad Kelly looked really good in the first half there. Um, and to be honest, I just think the Elks look terrible. They they look like they're shambles, and I hope that they get it together. I I'm super bummed that uh. The Elks have been as bad as they have been for the last couple of years. I think that we need a strong Edmonton market for the CFL. I think it makes Labor Day more fun. I think it makes the CFL more fun. You know, there's such a history there, and I love seeing Commonwealth full. Um, and saw a lot of games where there weren't many people there um, last season. So, you know, that one, unfortunately, I think they're going to get slaughtered by the Argos. Uh, definitely not a game that I'm going to advise that my friends sort of go out of their way to cancel all their Sunday night dinner plans to watch. But, uh, I don't know, Montreal Hamilton, this one is just tough. I'm, you know, I covered Bo Levi Mitchell. We've got his jersey. I don't know, podcast listeners can't watch, but we've now added two scarves that are hanging off hockey sticks to our set. Um, you know, our set, we got a James Wilder Jr. hat above a Andrew Harris bobblehead where he's missing an arm. Um, you know, we're <laughs> we're making real progress with our set here, but um, we do have the Bo Levi Mitchell jersey there. Watching him go down with a, a groin injury it broke my heart a little bit, if I'm being honest with you. He's a guy I covered for a long time who I, you know, really respect. And I want Bo to have that, you know, last chance to sort of solidify his legacy and make people who maybe missed the sort of prime 2014 to 2018 Bo years I was kind of rooting for him to remind them of, of what he was capable of and who he was as a player. And, you know, I don't know what happened with his groin. All I know is that he's not playing this week, but that didn't look good. And groin injuries make me really nervous. A guy named Javion Elliott, who was also actually on the tie cast, but was with the Stampeders last year, you know, had a groin injury that just kept him out and out and out. And I think they can be unpredictable in terms of how they heal and how fast they heal. But, Look, I think this league is better with Bo in it. And I think that this Hamilton team, especially when, you know, that city is hosting the Great Cup, I, I wanted them to be to be competitive this year. And I wanted Bo to, you know, give the Argos a run for their money, make that rivalry, you know, feel feel the way it did, you know, years ago. And I was just excited for it. So it sucked. And Montreal, I honestly don't have that much to say about right now. I, I haven't seen a ton of them. I I hoping that Cody Fajardo is is what he was a couple years ago. I, I love the Montreal market. It is one of the ones that, as you might imagine, I'm very disappointed that I don't get to travel to this year, but um, I don't really have them as a contender, um, even for, I guess, for a playoff spot. You can look at them potentially for third, but I'm not, I'm not 
that confident in that. I still think that there are more good Western teams than there are Eastern teams. So that one is not one that I super care about. No, I shouldn't say that I don't care. That's not true. I do care. I care tremendously. We're doing a CFL podcast here. What am I talking about? I don't care. It's just not. I, look, the two Western Conference games are the ones that matter. Um, and then I'm excited about you got the Lions and the Bombers. And then you got Saskatchewan and Calgary. So I don't know. I've, I've talked a little bit about Calgary today, but we now have Britton Gray um, out of Saskatchewan, out of Regina. He is going to talk to us. This is brought to you again by Fraser and Fig. Delicious elevated cheese and charcuterie made with fresh artisanal provisions for on-demand grazing for pickup or delivery. We will talk more about them when we're done. But for now, I am going to add Britton. Britton, buddy. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. I don't have my headphones on. So you're actually uh, you're ahead of me here. This is just good podcast hosting. I'm learning as I go. Um, That's early in the season. You'll, you'll figure it out mid-season. It's only week three, man. Exactly. It's a Labor Day. So, um, tell me, man, um, how are you enjoying it? Football's back. We're a couple weeks into the season. I, I think that the riders are absolutely fascinating, um, to be honest. So, yeah, how's, how's, how is life in Riderville? I mean, great. The sun's been shining. Only a little bit of wind and not too much. Can't argue with that in Saskatchewan especially. And it's just, it's fun to get back to it. Though this last offseason did have Connor Bedard to kind of keep us all intrigued in Regina this year. But CFL season's always special out in Saskatchewan. Can I ask, I haven't actually like really talked to either you or Jamie or or anyone, but like, was it, did it take over the town a little bit? That sort of Bedard fever this winter? Absolutely. Especially after the World Juniors when he had that great uh, performance he did. And you could just feel it, 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 excitement in the air. They were starting to sell out a lot. And I think people finally realized how special he was. And this is the last chance to really get a chance to watch him without paying those NHL prices. Of course. Yeah, I mean, I think that, when when they came to Calgary, I believe they sold out the Saddledome. I mean, so yeah, and that was that was after, and you know he always drew big crowds here, but not sellouts. So I do think that that World Juniors, I think it's when people realized that no, yeah, this, I, this generation is talent. I think uh, he's officially been adopted as one of Regina's own. I think we're we're going to claim him here. He's he's from Regina. He spent enough time here. Yeah, I, I talked to someone at one point because, you know, there was the whole, oh, should they trade him? And someone was like, no, there is value in keeping a guy like this associated not only with your organization, but with with the city of Regina, right? So um, mm-hmm. I'm sure people are very happy. To be honest, it would have been crazy to trade him. In the moment, you could make the arguments, but, like, I just don't think it was bad to have a guy like that in your organization for an extra couple months. Absolutely not. It, it brought fans in, and you're always going to have that picked first overall from the Regina Pats, Connor Bedard and I think that's something they really valued over there and it kind of helps it helps build the prestige of a team like that when you have such a high caliber player come through the system completely so you know honestly football fans who are listening to this are going to be like great they're talking hockey so I'm going to shift it <laughs> in a hurry uh we try to keep this very football focused um what is like and this is a this is a vague question and I totally recognize this but like it did feel last year like the vibes were off in in around the riders and it just it by the end it almost felt like everyone just needed the season to be over take a take a breath get a fresh start um and i want to ask what the two games they've already played but it does feel like you know the air is a little bit more clear like there it feels calmer it feels like there's less tension around the team eh? 
even during training camp, I got that feeling. And so I started to ask some of the players if it felt different this year, if something did feel different. And they, they all agreed, yeah, it, there's a different feeling in the locker room. Uh, I think Trevor Harris brings that kind of veteran professionalism that he's kind of known for, kind of a, a really uh, a guiding force for a young team when they're going through the ups and downs, which when you look back at last year, it felt like, there was some sort of internal conflict. It felt like the guys weren't getting along. And Craig Dickinson even admitted this year, the guys are getting along better. It's a more of a mature room. And I think we just saw it all kind of uh, slip over out onto the field and the product. And I think that's eventually what caused last year's team to completely crumble when things started to go bad, to to lose all those games at the end of the season. It, it, it just felt like something went rotten. And the more we talk to guys who were here last year, the more it's becoming apparent that that was indeed the case. Did any of them? I mean, I don't, I'm sure that they haven't identified it because it was one of those weird things. Like that Riders team was better on paper than it ever was on the field, but it was like from an outsider. And I, I'm not celebrating this. That's not, but like it felt like it was one thing after another last year. Um, and was it just ultimately sometimes something gets a little rotten in the locker room or something like just stuff goes wrong and it, it's hard to recover from it? Yeah, I think so. I think it was just uh, personalities maybe weren't meshing. Uh, who's, whose fault was it? With the, the offensive line got a lot of slack for the 77 sacks, but they would often point out it's not just the O-line. There's other people who uh, that go into pass protection, and we, we've kind of seen it with Cody Fajardo already this season, right? Montreal gave up six sacks. That should be a better offensive line than what he was dealing with the Riders, but the results were kind of the same. The Riders with Trevor Harris, they've given up less sacks through these first two games. And so it felt like maybe there was kind of butting heads about whose fault it was. Maybe the voice wasn't there because we, we know how Craig Dickinson is, right? A kind of go lucky guy, lets the guys kind of do their own thing. And he he doesn't really strike me as an authoritative voice. Now, maybe he comes across as that, what we don't see, but he seems like let the players be themselves, let them kind of figure it out. And that's why I really liked the Trevor Harris signing was he can kind of be that authoritative voice. He can be the strict veteran who tells guys, listen, shape up, quit making excuses. They had a COVID game, a flu game, whatever. That's no excuse. You're professionals. Go out there and play football. Well, it's so interesting because I was talking to Jeff Hamilton before the season started and we'd both been like, yeah, I mean, Trevor Harris, he's like, he's not a top one or two quarterback in the league. And I don't actually know that that is, that that matters. Like it, it is that leadership that he brings and that sort of just having been there before knows what it takes. And to be honest on his day, I think he is an elite, an elite, elite, elite quarterback. I think generally he falls sort of somewhere between the third and fifth best elite player in the league uh, or a quarterback in the league. But I imagine, and I don't want this to be a dumping on Cody Fajardo. Like that's not what I'm trying to do, but like yeah. there were times when and I was contrasting it with Bo being benched and Bo saying all the right things with being like, Cody, why are you saying this? Um, and I imagine that just having a, a a pro like a pros pro like trevor harris who can come in talk to the younger guys but also just put his head down and do the work and lead by example has got to be just a, a huge change yeah i think so i think cody will learn that was his first time as a starting quarterback and it, it was a lot of success early he didn't have to kind of deal with a lot of the the adversity and when it came he'll learn from that i i think he is still learning as a starting quarterback and he admits he's getting better but yeah getting trevor harris was big and but when you look at the quarterbacks in the league right now, I put him more in that three to two range when I look at this current start of the season. Zach Kalaros is number one. Vernon Adams Jr., 
number two, but he, we know in the past he's had some bad weeks when he's been a starter. So is he really number two, or are we just kind of seeing the best of Vernon Adams Jr.? And then well, Trevor I, Harris might be number three right now. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I have anyone ranked above him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, let Chad Kelly do it for 12 weeks, and we'll talk. Yes. But, like, um, and I, I think Jake was actually much better against Ottawa, but it was Ottawa. I mean, yeah, no, I, I have all the respect in the world for, for Trevor Harris, and I do, honestly. I, I think that 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 Riders team, now that it has come down and it feels just a little bit like I'm looking at them and there's just no way that I'm ruling them out. Um, if they can keep him standing, and as you said, there's always more things that go into sacks. I mean, I, I'll just to tell a story. There was a quarterback who f- took over very briefly for the Stampeders and was getting sacked constantly, and I wrote a story blaming the O-line, and I had Derek Dennis pull me aside and be like, dude, the quarterback, do- he doesn't move. Like, we can't do anything. He just stands still in the pocket. And he's like, You're su- he, he doesn't manipulate the pocket at all. Doesn't, like, pick up. He's like, there's nothing we can do about these sacks. And so there is, there is more to it. And if there's one thing I know about Trevor Harris is that he knows how to, you know, stay in games, which implies he doesn't get hit much. Yeah, that's that's how I felt last year talking to the O-line and the offensive line coach was that they were pointing out, like, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Yeah, does the O-line get the microscope on it? But the running backs have to block well. The receivers have to do their thing. The quarterback. And and so we've already seen it through the first two weeks of Trevor Harris here. He steps up into the pocket. He kind of lets it form. He doesn't look to break out of it uh, like some other quarterbacks do the women who are run first quarterbacks, right? They can mm-hmm. do a lot of damage with their legs. Trevor Harris has proven to be a little bit more mobile than I expected him to be. He's had some good runs these first two weeks, but he's not looking to run usually. He just steps up kind of lets the pocket develop a little bit more and we're already seeing it with the fact that there are less sacks it looks like he is getting more time there and so we'll see if that continues for the full season because last year when the offensive line depth started to get tested when Dan Clark went down that really signaled kind of the start of all the struggles because I think they gave up zero sacks in week one last year and then it all just started to go downhill when he left so depth is a key issue well, but, but I mean, that's the thing, right? Is that the Stampeders saw it in, in 2015. It's been a long time, but like no team has that much O-line depth, right? Like like O-line injuries no. are devastating to every team. And it's not entirely fair to, you know, and I, there's nothing I love more than, as you know, trolling Saskatchewan and Winnipeg just a little <laughs> bit. And I, I have made fun of it, but I mean, look, if you have O-linemen go down, like the NFL teams don't have enough offensive linemen. They like, let alone CFL teams. So, so it's tough. And, yeah, I, I do think no one had any sympathy because it's the Riders, and because of to be honest, like I I, I don't look. Let's not talk about them. But the the Marino stuff last year left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. But yeah, I, I don't think it was entirely fair to just say, oh, the O line sucks. That's the point. Um, yeah. Can I just move on? <laughs> what a weird. <laughs> like I think Edmonton might be the worst team in the league. I think Winnipeg is definitely the best team in the league. So like trying to evaluate these Riders based on two games feels impossible it's like i feel like they probably should have beaten the elks by more and i feel to be perfectly honest with you they did not deserve to lose to the bombers by the scoreline that they did and that through three quarters that game i don't know if it could have gone either way but it was awfully close and then the janarian grant touchdown kind of breaks them but like what is your what did you take away from those two games ultimately i think this is still a team that's kind of figuring itself out there was a ton of new uh weapons on offense like pretty much the entire offense was revamped in this single offseason that defense like you said what do you make of this defense because they looked good against Edmonton all of a sudden they couldn't stop anything Winnipeg was doing so where are they really are they elite or are they just 
really good against some bad teams. Well, and I mean, that's the thing, like, and I, I'm not, again, I actually think these riders are, are better than I was giving them credit for before, but it's mm -hmm. like, well, they looked good against Edmonton and then Edmonton got shut out the next week. So it's like, how much can you take from that? And it's the same thing I'm dealing with the Stampeders and the Red Blacks game. I'm like, yeah. well, your offense looked pretty good, but I, I don't know that the Red Blacks are actually any good at all. So it might not have that much value. I think it just, it's too early with a lot of these teams because outside of Winnipeg, who looks far and away the best, but Winnipeg's the most consistent team. They didn't have a lot of roster changeover. They had pretty much the same group out. A lot of franchises this offseason mm -hmm. went through tons of changes, seismic changes out in Calgary, a brand new franchise quarterback. Uh, Edmonton, they finally give Taylor Cornelius the ball as the guy, and can he really handle it? Saskatchewan, a ton of changes on offense. So I think early right now, it's tough to gauge what this team is going to be by week eight because it's a lot of moving parts a lot of teams are dealing with moving parts which is why winnipeg might might be the best team far and away for the first half of this season but by the second half if some of these teams figure it out it might be closer which is what we saw the riders kind of do for three quarters was keep it close with winnipeg yeah and 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 they did keep it close and that's saying like the, the the issue with winnipeg at this point is exactly what you're saying these guys have been playing together they all know the system they are ahead of the rest of the teams just going into the season. That takes nothing away from what they are or what they're accomplishing. Yeah. But um, but they have a natural chemistry. I mean, what they brought back Kenny Lawler. Well, he also knows the system, you know, like it's and isn't playing. But so I, I do think that that gap will presumably start to start to close a little bit. But I mean, I, I thought and like I largely focused on Trevor Harris because I wanted to see him. But I thought that he dealt with with Winnipeg pretty well. I, I had no issues there. And um the problem with the bombers is that they can hurt you anywhere and ultimately it was special teams that sort of put the nail in the coffin for the riders but it's like you're saying i gotta give them credit you hang with mm -hmm. them for basically three and a half quarters that that's better than most teams do against the bombers in the first six seven weeks of the season exactly and that's why the riders do deserve some credit even though ultimately it's an 18 point loss. You kind of have to start seeing improvements. You can't keep losing double digits to the Bombers. That was the eighth straight loss to Winnipeg for the Riders in the regular season or playoffs. The fans are sick and tired of losing <laughs> to the Bombers. And but, there's uh, no fan base in the league that is more like vocal about beating you than the Bombers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They let you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be honest. I find Riders fans can be really annoying when they lose. Bombers fans are really annoying when they win. Uh, it's a different thing. Yeah, but but like you said, uh, tr give Trevor Harris credit. I don't know how many quarterbacks are going to throw for over 400 yards against this Bombers defense. Mm -hmm. And th there was no run game. It was essentially the Trevor Harris show who needed to step up. They hit deep balls. They He was very efficient like we know Trevor Harris can be. It's just what do you do when your defense isn't able to stop the, the Bombers? The Janarian Grant goes off for a touchdown, which really was uh, the final nail in the Riders' coffin in that game. And so also the thing with Winnipeg this year is what is that defense? They are giving up a lot of points this year, which I didn't expect. I thought the defense was going to be another strength, but it's looking like the offense might be the best thing about this Bombers team, at least early. That's terrifying, isn't it? Yeah, that's wild. Because yeah. <laughs> the defense is going to lock in. Like at some point, the defense <laughs> is going to lock in. Um, but I think, I mean, we've seen scoring up around the league, which ultimately, like, I'm never going to never going to complain about um yeah looking at the riders i'll be honest with you i looked at their injury report yesterday and i was like, okay nick marshall out Derek monkey out it was a long injury report it looks a little bit better today like it was that sort of a day one of the practice week giving some guys a little extra day 
I mean, a, a little better, but they were still without a bunch of starters along the defensive side of the ball and offensive side of the ball as well today. Uh, Anthony Lanier II, we haven't seen him out this week on day two. Roland Milligan, another great defensive player. Didn't see him today. Jaden Dalkey, another kind of emerging star. He wasn't out there for the second straight day. So how serious are these injuries? We kind of have to find out. And then there's the Canadian death, which the riders are going to be tested this week, it looks right. like. Jawan Breskison's out. Keen Schaefer-Baker's already out. Uh, Albert Awachi. Jaden Dalkey's a good Canadian. Like they're, they, they are missing a lot of Canadians already. They went out and signed two today, actually, to kind of help with that. So we'll see see what they can do there. But uh, it, for Ryder fans, there is some good news. Both Nick Marshall and Derek Moncrief have both practiced both days so far. So they seem to be on the right trajectory to playing. And that's important, especially for Moncrief, who hasn't played yet this year. He was dealing with a shoulder injury all offseason. Uh, if he comes back, that's a huge veteran presence for them. And he was their only all-star, West Division all-star last year. So <laughs> he brings well, a big thing to that Riders defense. And, and your linebackers matter against a team like Calgary that can run the ball, right? Like if there's one yeah. thing we know Calgary can do, it, it's run it. So, yeah, I was a little bit wrong there. I didn't necessarily uh, – honestly, I opened the injury report as you were talking. Your last answer, <laughs> and I was like, oh, Marshall and Moncry for back. This looks like this isn't so bad. And now you're like – and then I actually looked at it as you went, and I was – Okay, they're they're banged up. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, the stamps aren't in. They're in better shape than this. But I mean, as you as you noted last week, Kidding Carey is out. Although Diedrich Mills is a, is a good backup. But I mean, Reggie Bagleton hasn't been practicing this week. Malik Henry missed day one. Um, you know, there's Sam tight as well. But it's nothing compared to this. Um, what do you like? I mean, I don't know how much you've watched Calgary. I am I am of the opinion that as far as late June games go partially because the Stamps have the Bombers next. But, like, the Stamps at 1-1 one and one can, cannot really afford to lose this game because they'll be 1-3. and three. Like, if they can't beat the Riders, they're not going to beat the Bombers. Um, does it feel like it has those same stakes at this point for the Riders? Uh, kind of. I, I think so because this West Division, I think we all expect to be tight. It's going to be the Bombers at number one. You, you maybe put BC2, but that third spot and fourth maybe for a crossover, every win is going to matter which yeah. is why this this is a huge game for both teams, even though it is early. I do think there's a little bit more pressure on uh, Calgary just because what it, Jake Mayer, like he's he got better in the second game, sure, but that first game did not instill a lot of confidence in people. Can he put together some more uh, uh, good performances? But they moved on from Bo Levi Mitchell to go to Jake Mayer. The Riders brought Trevor Harris in with a whole new receiving group, a whole new – essentially almost all new offensive line if the riders offense isn't clicking you kind of have that well there's a whole bunch of new spaces jake mayer was there that's why i think there's pressure on calgary to maybe get this early win more to kind of put those concerns around jake mayer to rest because trevor harris just went through for 400 yards against the bombers he he bought a little bit of like okay if this offense can figure it out who knows who they can beat down the stretch yeah no i agree and i mean i, I do think that i mean there was a offensive pass interference call on uh against malik henry that i thought was absolutely ridiculous against the red blacks where had that call not been made jake would have thrown for 400 yards so like i do like the bounce back but as you said i mean week one was incredibly uninspiring i do very quickly want to thank um again fraser and fig who are our our sponsor and our, our guests are brought to you by them um you know they do these honestly amazing cheese and charcuterie boxes um i said this earlier but if you're having a picnic going on a date or whatever um 
check them out. They're here in Martelope. They've got ready-to-go cheese and charcuterie boxes. They're curated with all local and artisanal ingredients. There's four sizes, so honestly, like, it can be any occasion. Um, you know, a small little, you know, a picnic with, with the love of your life or, you know, presumably a big, a big party. Um, all boxes come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, carrots. Um, it's amazing. I've got to not hit the desk as I do that because it actually – um makes the mic shake so i apologize for anyone listening but um yeah that's it guys i I think we're gonna wrap here um thank you to alex singleton that was awesome thank you to Britton gray that was equally awesome um and thank you guys for listening please like and subscribe we're the live from the 55 podcast here on the nation network uh brought to you by fraser and fig and honestly guys your support's incredible really appreciate it really appreciate the opportunity to talk canadian football so Thank you very much and uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy the games.